Welcome to week 12 of Broken Branches Ministries STEM Discipleship Program podcast. I am Karen Ayers, your host. Marshall and I are honored and humbled to have been able to deliver this innovative way of teaching God's Word and building disciples. STEM Discipleship Program is a 12-week discipleship training program that is designed to help you transform from a person who has merely accepted Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior to an individual who is consistently operating under the rule of Jesus Christ in every area of life. A disciple is a person who is continuously developing a more intimate relationship with God. They're consistently uncovering God's will for the body of Christ and consistently aligning themselves in a way that his or her daily living lines up with God's will. Personal agendas are converted to kingdom assignments. Selfishness is redefined to selflessness. Hopelessness is transfigured into a deeper understanding of what the kingdom of God is and the essential and necessary part that your life plays in the big picture of purpose. So we're really excited that we've made it to the 12th week. So go ahead, pull out your STEM Discipleship Program workbook, grab a pen, grab your Bible, and let's jump into our final lesson. During these last 12 weeks, it has been my prayer that you've already or will soon be able to walk in the objectives of this discipleship program, which were to develop an intimate relationship with God, to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit yourself, to trust God with all aspects of your life, to align your will, your beliefs, and your character to the will, beliefs, and character of God to not be ashamed of your testimony and be able to share it freely with others in order to contribute in the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others and help them grow. This week's memory verse highlights and it circle backs around around to the chapter in which this discipleship program is based on, John chapter 15. Let's revisit it for a moment and look at it from another perspective this time. The perspective of being intentional about developing a closer, more intimate relationship with Christ. I'll be reading from the Living, the New Living Translation, and I want you to pay close attention to the words and what the Holy Spirit is now saying to you through this chapter. It reads, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear, produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse five. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. 
Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in me in my love. Verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Verse 16, you didn't choose me. (laughs) I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Verse 21. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Verse 23, anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Verse 26, but... I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. So when we read chapter 15 of John, there are some points I want you to remember. Number one. God does the pruning to remove ineffective aspects of our lives and to make effective areas more effective. Number two, the word of God does the purification. We don't do it on our own. Three, fruitfulness and answered prayers are results of staying connected to Jesus and keeping his word in us. Number four, We are commanded to remain in the love of Jesus, and we do this through obedience. Five, the purpose of these instructions 
are uh, is so that we will be filled with the with the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah eight verse ten tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We cannot make the joy of the Lord our strength if we are also making something else our strength. Joy is an internal state that is unaffected by circumstances in life. Happiness is the feeling that appears as a result of how external stimuli affect us. Happiness changes due to the changes in the stimulus. For instance, some may say they are happier because it's a sunny day, but when the weather changes, which is the outside stimulus, Moods can shift from happiness to sadness. Now, joy, on the other hand, and specifically the joy of the Lord, comes from God and is a fruit that resides in us all the time. By focusing on the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, our joy remains because it is a fruit or a result of the Holy Spirit ruling in our lives. Number six. From John 15, we see the commandment of loving fellow brethren as Christ loved us. We are to love others as Jesus loved us. This is a commandment from Jesus, and he follows this by stating our scripture memory verse this week, which is verse 13 of John 15, and it reads, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus' love for us was shown by his actions. We have to love not only in words, but in actions. It is through these actions that the love of God is shown to others. The seventh thing I want to point out is God chose us. We received him, but he chose us. In those days, disciples normally chose the their particular rabbi to whom they wanted to be attached, just like we choose what church we want to be affiliated and and which church we want to be a member of. It was kind of like that back in the Bible days, but it was not so with Jesus's disciples. He chose them and for a purpose. And the purpose was the bearing of fruit. We usually desire a strong prayer life in order that we may be fruitful, but here It is the other way around. Jesus enables us to bear fruit and then the Father will hear our prayers. The eighth point I want to make is love again is reiterated. Nine, we are forewarned that being a disciple of Christ will come with challenges such as hatred, misunderstanding, and isolation at times. So we are not to be surprised when these things happen. The 10th thing is, we were chosen to come out of the world. So now we see that the that being chosen by Jesus has two parts to it. One, to bear fruit. And the second thing is to be separated from the world. And the 11th point and final point that I want to make is that the Holy Spirit is our helper that speaks truth and testifies to us what we need to know about Jesus. And then John chapter 15 is finished by again reiterating the importance of the testimony of the disciples. 
Not only the testimony of the Holy Spirit, but the testimony of the disciples. Discipleship is about developing a close relationship with God and experiencing the trials, the tribulations, along with the joys and triumphs that are a result of this relationship and testifying to others of the good news of Jesus Christ and how the relationship with him um, can give them hope when hopeless and focus when their path seems unclear. Love was reiterated so much by Jesus, I believe, because it takes love to work together as one for the purpose that scripture highlights in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, which says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love for others is crucial in the body of Christ. We must love what God loves and hate what God hates. There are no conditions on who will show love or who we should love. We are to love as God loves. How does Romans chapter five, verse eight, change your perception of what loving looks like or loving like God looks like? How does that change it? So let's read it. It reads like this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what would this look like for us today? If God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, how would us displaying love to others look like today? Well, it may look like something like this. We'll love them while people are still on the pole. We'll love people while they're still on crack, while they're still in sin. We're to love them, them and tell them about the saving grace of God. God loved us while we were still sinners and we are to love others while they are still sinning as well. We have studied all that we have studied thus far to bring us to this moment of being free from the stresses of the world and of life to be able to freely and authentically share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Throughout the book of Matthew, we find all types of instructions as to how to deal with people so that our hearts are free and we're unhindered by our thoughts, our flesh, or emotions that could affect the effectiveness of our witness. We are instructed in Matthew to reconcile with others even before we give an offering. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. And to settle matters quickly with our adversaries. That's also 5th chapter of Matthew, verse 25. We are provided instructions in how to handle widows, divorces, as well as our enemies so that our testimony to others isn't blurred by our personal struggles. Jesus was straightforward in Matthew 5 verses 40 through through 48 as to how we should handle our enemies. It reads like this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? 
And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Verse 48, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And what Jesus is saying here, he's basically saying, how can God be glorified if we are only loving those we who love us? Unbelievers do that. We are set apart from others by the degree of our love and the stretch of this love. We are all one. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27 to reiterate this oneness that the entire body of Christ should be operating in. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Let's make this relevant today. This is Karen speaking. We have some are black, some are white, some are Hispanic, some are rich, some are homeless. But we're all one body. Verse 14 goes on to say, yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that not that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. That is so crucial to hear that. We don't have to take over and look and try to covet what somebody else has or want to reproduce something that someone else has. Verse 18 tells us right here that God has put each part just where he wants it. I always tell people to bloom where you're planted because in that planting, God is there. Let's read on. Verse 19 says, How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can say to the feet, I don't need you. So let's again make it relevant for today. The rich can never say to the poor, I'm not concerned about your struggles. I'm only struggling about me and about me. And long as I'm good and my family's good, we're good. We should never hear that in the body of Christ. Verse 22 goes on to say, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. (laughs) I want you to think about this as you're going through your struggles and you feel like you're not strong and you feel like you're not, you can't contribute anything to the body of Christ and that your, your, your walk has been terrible and your struggle has been immense. But let me read this again. It says, in fact, verse 22, it says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest, seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. 
And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require the special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Mm-mm-mm. This makes for harmony among the members so that all of the members care for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. We shouldn't be comfortable in our plenty, guys, when others in the body of Christ are suffering. And verse 27 finally says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. This love for God urges us to fulfill his will and to bring others into the body of Christ. This week, the focus is on my family. And when we're talking about my family, we're talking about the body of Christ. And we're talking about the importance of bringing others into the body of Christ and walking with them on their journey. Last week, we studied moving from being babes in Christ to being able to eat meat becoming spiritually mature as we tell others about Jesus and walk them through salvation it is crucial that we don't leave them at the cross and not walk with them through the ups and downs the trials and triumphs that they will encounter on this journey as Christians now that you know the truth you're responsible for sharing the truth and helping others develop their own intimate and personal relationship with God The three years that Jesus spent on earth walking with the disciples, he was teaching them. He was loving on them and instructing and correcting them out of love. Paul, as an apostle, did the same thing as he spoke to new believers in Ephesus and Colossae and Philippi and in his personal letter to Philemon. The work of discipleship was given to us by Jesus just as his work with his disciples was given to him by God, as we see in John chapter 17, verse 6, when Jesus says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. As amazing as Jesus is and was, God did not give him all the work to do. We as disciples of Christ are commissioned to continue the work Jesus started with the people that God gives us. This was Jesus' prayer for his disciples and all the believers as recorded in the book of John verses um, chapter, in the book of John chapter 6 um, verses 6 through 26 in the New Living Translation. It says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Verse eight, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I have come from you and they believe you sent me. 
My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Verse 10, all who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that they so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Verse 13, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they will be filled with my joy. I have given them my word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm asking you to take them out of the world. I'm I'm not asking you to take them out out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Verse 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be, that they all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Verse 24, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with you, with be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, (laughs) but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Wow. I want to repeat verse 23 real quick. And it says here, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity in the body of Christ is how the world knows about God. Jesus made sure to teach his disciples that God was the source of all they learned. Jesus did not take credit for anything and neither should we when we are bringing people to Christ through our testimony and walking with them 
from spiritual babes to spiritual maturity. It is important to remember our part in the body of Christ as well as our part in the growth process of believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 through 9 reminds us of this. It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Hmm. Turn, if you will, to page 139 in your STEM Discipleship Workbook and take some notes on discipling others. John 15 tells us that God is the gardener. The people of God are God's field. It is God who makes things grow. This is so important to understand because the sower of a thing may not see the plant grow to full potential. I remember Marshall and I uh, planted some small rose bushes alongside a house we lived in some years back and we moved from that house before the little plants reached maturity. The subsequent owner of the house fertilized and watered the plants that we had planted. And one day we drove by that house and saw these huge, vibrant and beautiful rose bushes that had been cared for and loved. We were fortunate enough to see the fruit of the seeds we sowed but that is not always the case. I remember hearing, hearing my mother pray fervently for one of my brothers to be delivered from an addiction he had of crack that had stolen years from his life and memories from his family. My mother died before seeing the fruit of her prayers. My brother has been clean now for over 15 years, but my mother did not see the fruit of her labor. It is important that a spiritual baby or a new Christian is connected to a Bible-based ministry that can continue teaching them how to rightly divide the Word of God. In the times in which we live today, discipling individuals one-on-one may not be the way this journey is going to look like. It may kind of look like it did in Bible days. It may be one-on-one and may not be in a group but it is a good idea to let them know why it is important for them to continue to learn about the faith and enter into an intimate relationship with Christ. If we can just do our part, affect who God places in our lives and trust the fertilizing and the watering um, and the production unto God, We don't know what part we are in the process. We may have a Christian that knows the Lord, has been saved for years, but may need a little fertilizing, a little encouragement. And that's the part that we play. Others, they may be brand new um, to the faith and, and we're planting seeds, but don't worry about the whole process. Give the whole process over to God. But it's so important for us to really let them know 
why they should continue to learn. And if you will turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and read along with me. It says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. New Christians or spiritual babies are to be taught so that they can teach. If we leave new Christians or babes in Christ without proper teaching, without support and encouragement, the world is going to snatch them right on back. Many people have a desire to grow in their life as a Christian, but aren't taught. This is one of the things that has been the focus of Broken Branches Ministries. And we're so determined to teach and equip the people of God, um, the people that God has assigned to us, the word of God in a way that they can apply it to their lives daily. They can grow in the things of God and they're able to draw others to Christ by how they live. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul told the brothers and sisters of Philippi, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Everything, everything that you've learned in these past 12 weeks as part of the STEM discipleship program can be shared with others. Encourage them to join the next round of STEM discipleship program uh, themselves or start an independent study to learn of God's love, of his will, his desire for them. Learn how to pray, how to overcome the enemy. Find out who the enemy is for that matter, as well as how to fight spiritual battles and submit their will to the will of God. These are things you can share. As a discipler of Christ, we not only give the information to new Christians, we also get them started by helping them begin doing what you are telling them. This may look like inviting them to your church and holding them accountable to what you have instructed. Peter told those he was teaching in 2 Peter 1, verses 12 through 15, this in the message um, version. He says, because the stakes are so high, even though you're up to date on all this truth and practice it inside and out, I'm going to let, I'm not going to let up for a minute and calling you to attention before it. This is the post to which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders and I'm sticking to it as long as I live. I know that I'm to die soon. The master had made that quite clear to me. And so I am especially eager that you have all this down in black and white so that after I die, you'll have it for ready reference. It's easier to get them started than to keep them going. Think about what kept you going during these past 12 weeks of this the STEM discipleship training program. Was it accountability from your facilitators? Was it texts, emails, or calls from those in your group? Was it the fact that you had a prayer partner that you were praying with? 
just as you needed encouragement to push you through when the enemy was vigilant in his attempts to uproot seeds that were planted. Those that you disciple, those babes in Christ or those that you are going to water or fertilize, they're also going to need your help. They're also going to need the encouragement. Then it is important to teach the person how to share with someone else what you have shared with them. This is the reproduction of a Christian process, the multiplication process that Jesus commanded in Matthew chapter 8, um, verses 19 through 20, when he said, to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Luke chapter 6, verse 4 says that the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Last week, we studied the importance of spiritual growth and God's desire for us to grow and not be stagnant in our walk. As you grow, others are watching and your metamorphosis is in itself is witnessing to others. On page 40 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook is a sneak peek as to the role of a teacher, a leader, or a disciple. Whichever noun you choose to use for yourself, you're all three, whether you realize it or not. We are teaching something by how we live our lives, whether it is intentional or unintentional. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and then verse 10 says this in the message version. Your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom, into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence, so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of goodness. By looking at them, just by looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. They'll know how to be virtuous and pure, keep a good house, be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. Also guide the young men to live disciplined lives. Verse 7. But mostly, show them all this by doing it yourself. Trustworthy in your teaching. Your words solid and sane. Then anyone who is dead set against us, that's the body of Christ, when he finds nothing weird or misguided, might eventually come around. Then their good character will shine through their actions, adding luster to the teaching of our Savior God. Your life as a Christian and how you live your life in front of others will either draw people to the cross or draw them away from God. We can see this in churches all over the world where people have been looking 
at Christians and how they treat other people, how they act, the, the, the double lives that they live, and they don't want any parts of it. They don't want any parts of it. And it is so important, like the scripture says in verse 6, we don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. That's deep. That is something to stop and to ponder and to think about. You know, through these last 12 weeks, you've learned what is expected in a relationship with God. Teach this also. For now, you are accountable for your actions. So will the people you disciple be? James 4, chapter James 4, verse 17 says, So for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. This is why it, it will be important to encourage people you are teaching to continue to grow. Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 in the, in the NIV version says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Jesus was our ultimate model. He showed his disciples how to love, how to forgive, how to serve, as well as how to handle adversity. You are teaching someone something all the time, good or bad, godly or worldly. Someone is always watching you. A discipler doesn't just teach information and attitudes, but he or she imparts in the one being discipled a lifestyle of trusting God, a lifestyle of living holy, and a lifestyle of operating within the will of God. On page 141 of your STEM Discipleship Program workbook, I want you to take a moment and I want you to reflect back on Titus 2 verses 1 through 8 and describe how your understanding of the scripture changes how you might behave. Once you've answered this honestly, identify areas in your life that may need to be adjusted in order for your life to reflect a more Christ-like example to others. The cornerstone of witnessing to others and walking alongside others on this journey towards a closer relationship with God is our testimony. We began writing the testimony last week and on pages 142 and 143 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook, I want you to take some time and tailor that testimony using the prompts provided. Tailor it and practice it and be prepared to share it with your group this week. Remember, there is power in your testimony, and it is the first step towards leading someone to Christ. But actually, we can say the second step. The first step is, what are you modeling? What do they see without you saying a word? Our life is speaking. What is it saying? Finally, on page 144 
of your STEM Discipleship Workbook, I want you to take some time to reflect on your journey during these past 12 weeks. What is your STEM Discipleship Program story? We would love to hear from you and how STEM has transformed your relationship with God. Send a message on our website or send to Broken Branches Men's. That's Broken Branches, M-I-N-S, at iCloud.com. We would love to hear how this has possibly changed your life. The scriptures you'll be studying and meditating on this week are Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 13, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the book of Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 23, and this is in the New Living Translation. And then finally, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Subscribe to the Broken Branches Ministries YouTube channel and visit our website at brokenbranches.biz for further resources to help you continue to grow in Christ. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please prayerfully consider sowing into the ministry so we can continue to teach the unadulterated word of God across this nation and the world. This also can be done from our website, brokenbranches.biz. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instructions that's given in your word for us to live lives that are pleasing to you, Father God. We thank you for all the gifts that you've given us, the gifts of salvation and repentance, Lord God. We thank you for the gift of grace, Father, that that you've given us with your son Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, Lord God. Father, we, we take none of it for granted. We pray that you would continue to show us how to live lives that are worthy of your sacrifice, as well as lives that glorify you. Help us to not be ashamed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for those people, those disciples that you're putting in our path that we can share with the love of God, the love that you have for us your will, Father God, and how you were so loving and thoughtful that you sent the Holy Spirit as our advocate to live within us, Lord God, to help us to accomplish the things in life that you've called for us to do. Make clear the people that you're putting in our path, Lord God, that you want us to disciple, Father, so that we can do our part as a body of Christ in either planting the seed, fertilizing the plant, or watering it, Father God. Whatever our part is, Father God, we're willing and able to do it. We say yes to your call of going forth into all nations and building disciples, Father God. So, Father God, as we go about doing your work, we thank you in advance for giving us all the provision, all the things that we need 
to be able to take care of ourselves as we take care of your kingdom. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we thank you for the opportunity to hang out with you for 12 weeks, to fall deeper in love with you, and to get an understanding, a better understanding of who we are to you. We love you. We thank you. We glorify you. We honor you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.